Welcome to the Mom Village Podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Village. We are very happy and excited. I always say we're excited, but we are. We're, we're very excited, excited every for every yeah. episode. Let me introduce myself. My name is Gismani Ramos, and I'm here with my ladies, Kira Kelly. Hey, Village. And Kristen Scroggins. Hey, ladies. About to sip her coffee. Sorry, I got you right there. <laughs> <laughs> and we're so excited to introduce our guest, which... We have been anticipating this episode for mm-hmm. so long, and finally, we'd have her here, the one and only Beth Bonner. We're calling this episode Generations, because if somebody can speak about generations, ladies, is this woman. Mm-hmm. But before I get into it, I'm going to let her introduce herself. Beth, tell us about your family, your career, your calling. I mean, you wear so many hats, but just give us a little bit about you know your kids, grandkids, it's a little bit of everything to our village. Okay. Hey, y'all. So hey, y'all. my name's Bev, and I am from Georgia originally, so that's the accent. And I just want to go ahead and put that out there because <laughs> I can't y'all. get yeah. I, the y'all, which I, I love. I can't get rid of it. So I've been living in West Palm for 30 years and can't get rid of it. Yes, I am a wife. Um, married super young since I'm from Georgia. You know, that's what you do. <laughs> married super young at 19, and wow. we've been married 45 years. Wow. And I am a mom. We have two kids, and they're grown now, of course, because you put the math together, you've already figured out how old I am and why I'm on this generation's talk. It's AKA for we got the oldest woman in the room to come talk. So but um, you say you married young. Yeah, right? I did. I did marry young. Yeah. But anyway, so I am a mom and I have two adult children and one of them lives here in town with us and has four kids of her own. And then our son lives in Jacksonville, just a hop, skip, and a jump up the road, really. Actually, I'm leaving this afternoon. How do you know? (laughs) Yeah, I'm leaving this afternoon to head that way for a couple of days before Sunday. So Good. But yeah, and he has two children, and so they both just are such a blessing to us. I am a daughter, of course, and so my dad passed away years ago, and my mom lives with us, and we may talk about that a little later. Mm -hmm. I am a sister. I had two older brothers, and I am a woman in ministry, and... My mom actually lives with us, so does our mother-in-law. So, you know, I am a caregiver at this stage in my life. But I'm also a student, like Mm -hmm. extremely Mm -hmm. slow student, Mm -hmm. let me just tell you. Like, I'm just hoping that on my tombstone it'll say she finished. You know what I'm saying? So, (laughs) like, I should have gotten my master's early, right, finished college early because we were married young, and I wanted to just get through it. We married in college, and I was just like— beating the band, trying to get through college. And I should have gotten my master's in, but I didn't. So now I'm doing it now. One course at a time. (laughs) So can I just have an aside here? You know, we talk a lot about being involved in a church family and the need for that. And part of the need for being in a church family is so that you have examples for Mm -hmm. your children Mm -hmm. of like other people besides you and your husband to point them to. Mm -hmm. And Bev, I just want you to know Mm -hmm. that 
you and your husband Dan come up in our home all the time. So, so Dan <laughs> for all kinds of reasons. No, no, all good things. So, you two are our go-to example mm-hmm. of a lot of things. One of the things I told my boys when they were younger, we'd always try to think, okay, I don't want my boys to think that being a man who loves Jesus is for wimps because so many times it's like left to the women yeah. and their dad gets up early and goes to church. So I'm like looking around for other men who, so it's always Dan Bonner. Hey guys, do you see Dan Bonner? He's the manliest guy you're going to know. He hunts, fishes, can fix anything. And he is over there singing his heart out to the mm-hmm. Lord on Sunday mornings. And so he's our example. And Bev, the way that she loves her family and everybody in her family adores her. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is part of the reason why we wanted you to come here today. Well, everyone in family church loves, loves that. Yeah. Well, so the dirty little secret about Dan, who is the hunter, the fisher, mm-hmm. the fisherman, the, I mean, everything manly you can think of, his first go-to is Hallmark. What? And the, because he is that man. He is oh. the Does most. He watch Chesapeake Shore. He watches <laughs> Chesapeake Shore. I love so him. He and Mama Jane go. It's coming on eight o'clock Sunday night. Mary Everything and I are else. Come we, over this week. We like it. it's like paused Sunday night football for we, it last week. We won't week, tell. So. We yeah. won't tell the men. So. We won't tell anybody. No, no. Right? <laughs> he is such a man that he'll cry. He's the most emotional person in our family, oh. but he's tender-hearted. Well, you two are quite a couple, and so really thank you for coming Mm. here today. So, Bev, oh, my goodness. I just wanted to sit in your presence, as I have, like, Mm. many times. Mm -hmm. We've shared bunks together at camp. (laughs) We've been in Orlando together. So we've spent a lot of time outside of family church Mm -hmm. together, and you've shared so many just nuggets of wisdom with me and Anytime I get an opportunity to sit at your feet, I would just like plant myself there. Mm -hmm. So I am so grateful that you are here to share with our entire village just some of the things that you do and that move you in your calling as all the hats that you wear. But can you tell our audience a little bit about the early days as a mom raising your family? Like you told us you got married really early. Can you just give us a little more of that narrative? Okay. Yeah. So the one thing I'll tell you all, and you know this, is I'm going to be super real. Okay. (laughs) Super real. I am so happy. So there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't know, and that's okay. It's not that I don't want to share it. It's that they've never asked. So as far as our early marriage, I mean, we did get married early. We waited a few years trying to just finish college before we started having kids. We moved a lot. I think that was a thing that was really big for us because mm-hmm. when you move a lot, you can't ever establish yourself really well financially. Mm-hmm. And we were so young and there weren't a lot of podcasts or books or, <laughs> yeah, you know, a right. lot of things out there. So everything we did was do it yourself kit, mm-hmm. you know, like do it yourself finances kit. And all I knew that my parents grew up in the depression years. So all they did was they just were really tight with their money, but they didn't necessarily plan and show us how to plan. So all of those things were bumps in the road for us as a young couple. But we did move a lot. We moved as soon as I finished college at UGA. Shout out to the Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Come on. (laughs) As soon as I finished college, we moved to Tennessee with Dan's first job. And that's where Sandy was born. Our daughter was born in the mountains of Mm. Tennessee, Johnson City. And then we moved over to Raleigh when she was only three months old. And when we moved to Raleigh, we were establishing a house again. And so then we moved from Raleigh. We were there for like three years. And then we moved to Atlanta. We were there for four and a half years. And then we moved to Orlando. And then we moved to West Palm. So all of that moving, 
I think early years of raising a family, I was in and out of work at times, but very short stints of work, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, trying to get established, buy a house, whatever. And then pretty much I was a stay-at-home mom, though. All those early years, I uh, was mostly home. But all that moving created a lot of really tight purse strings. And I can remember being in a neighborhood where we had wooden tokens. And what we would do is whenever I needed my child watch, I would go pay with a wooden token. And when I ran out of wooden tokens, I had to watch somebody else's kids. So it was kind of a cool thing. Okay, we need to bring that back. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it was kind of a cool thing because all of us were broke. So it was the only way that we could do that and then not take advantage of any one person who was super gracious, you know. And then I remember in Atlanta, when I was staying home with the kids, that I was, this is funny. So I started, I was crafty girls. Can you believe really? I was crafty? <laughs> I, really I, believe I, I was daughter. crafty. Like everybody now just likes rolls in the floor laughing because they don't see that side of me. And Heather Muir's always made fun of me. She actually has a little video that she's posted before, but I made wreaths. And so I did these grapevine. Okay, they were grapevine wreaths. Come on, it's it's Georgia. Well, you know, I made these grapevine wreaths. I don't think it was called decoupage. It was called something else, but it was a quick way to decoupage because decoupage actually takes a long time. Mm -hmm. And it was ducks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, come Mm -hmm. on, right? The ducks (laughs) from the 70s. But anyway, I made these wreaths. I would decorate them and sell them to realtors to give us housewarming gifts. So I'd make like 20 bucks and it was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, and then I could go buy this or do that. So I did that for a little while and... Yeah, I just, you know, tried to, I kept somebody's kids for a while. That was the very shortest stint of work I ever did. I do not want to keep other people's kids in my house when my kids are little. You know, it was just a nightmare. It was was not your gift. It was not my thing because they were all getting into their stuff. And I was like, oh, this is like. Yeah, yeah, you're getting in my wreaths. And the glue gun. They were wanting to cook when Wes was wanting to watch cook. And it was just like, oh, this is a nightmare. So I did that very briefly. Wow. That is funny. Wow. Okay, so let me ask you this, because if you know Bev Bonner, you don't associate the word struggles with Mm -hmm. Bev, (laughs) because Bev Mm -hmm. is this type A driven, I'm going to make it happen kind of a person, and everybody depends on her, and she just goes with it, and she does everything so well. Excellent. Turns everything into gold. Yeah. She is a huge encourager to my husband and Jimmy's like, nobody messes with Bev Bonner. I'll take them down. But so we don't think of you as somebody that struggles, but, Mm. but did you have any specific struggles, particularly as a young mom? Daily. Okay. Daily. Doesn't that make us all feel better? Bev Bonner struggled. Daily, daily. What were they? Honestly, one of the big ones, and I think probably women struggle with this today, is finding value in being a stay-at-home mom. Mm. You know, I mean, I knew better. Mm -hmm. I knew my kids were valuable. I knew that time was valuable. But finding value in that when the culture is pressing against you in such a different way. So that was one thing. Kids with different personalities. Oh, Mm -hmm. my soul. You know, and I only had two. I don't know why we only had two. So, hey, let me just take an aside here. 
have more kids, have them closer together. Okay, now back to the <laughs> next. <laughs> now the moms out so there. I've never heard it here, moms who are questioning that. Yes. There you go. If you're go questioning that, I've never wished I had less kids. Let's oh, put, let's say that. Good word. But anyway, just kids with different personalities, even the two. When Somebody's you only, pointing fingers at yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Jeezma. We're ready. Kids with different personalities, even with just two, they were completely different. Like I would like scratch my head and go, did we raise them in the same home? So, and you know what? Honestly, two people in a marriage, that's a struggle, isn't oh, it? Man. I mean, we're both sinners. We both completely love each other. We've really only been with each other, I mean, 45 years. And you still, because you come from different families and different backgrounds and you are different people, you have to figure out how to let that work together instead of be sandpaper all the time. Mm. And honestly, the other thing, which... I'm not sure how well we did it. And all of these, we didn't like hit the mark on every one of these. Mm. But the priority <laughs> of your marriage over your kids, mm-hmm. you know, that's and good. I think that's a struggle for moms, um, yeah. particularly just because you need to be marriage centered. And I know you guys teach that. Yeah. Nobody taught us that. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy for a mom to gravitate to put her kids ahead of her husband. Sure. And I, I did that at one point. It's funny you mentioned that because even though I was raised in Puerto Rico, my generation was kind of like the same, you know, my parents was just living paycheck by paycheck. And then mm-hmm. they grew up, you know, baby boomers, but they didn't taught us how to save, retire, mm-hmm. about taxes. Or, like we have to learn that about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that is now they're dealing with it, trying to figure out, you know, they don't have any savings and how do we help them and we help each other. But it's something that it doesn't matter the season. It's something that is taught. You know, it doesn't matter the culture or something that is taught. Because I was there in Puerto Rico, you know, and it's the same thing. We all struggle, but it's something that has to be taught. But you've been telling us, you know, in your early times as a mom, but how about the most challenging season in your parenting journey? Like there was a specific season that you can right away say, oh, yes, she's Marie. When the kids were this age or we were this amount of time married, this is when the Lord really showed up and taught me how to be strong. Mm. There are a lot. There's so many that are challenges. But when I hear that question, the very first one that comes to my mind is, I'm going to try not to cry, Mm -hmm. walking through a season with our son and for five years, that was super, super challenging. Mm-hmm. And I did ask his permission before I would share anything, of course. And it was a very, very difficult time because he was way out there. And he wasn't like the church out there. He was like <laughs> way out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just, it was hard on our marriage. It was hard on our family. It was hard on his sister. It was difficult on him. We were on our knees a lot of that time. I remember we committed every morning. This may sound really super perfunctory, but we committed every morning. Right before Dan would walk out the door, we'd sit down for five minutes, and the two of us would just pray intentionally Mm. over Mm. Wes during Mm. that time every morning before Dan would walk out the door, before I'd walk out the door. It was completely challenging. You know, we had... Two kids, and I said they were different. They were both strong-willed, 
But Sandy was super compliant. You know, she was the child that was God's grace to us because we didn't deserve that because we were both kind of rebellious in our own ways. And so that was God's grace to us. And, you know, she was strong-willed, but she would fall under respect and authority. Wes was the one that pushed the envelope. He was the one that always challenged and always negotiated. My dad used to say, Wes always will have a better deal for you than any deal you can come come up with. You know, and trying to channel that in the right direction, knowing that that's going to be super good at some point in his life. That's going to be a great characteristic for him to have. But there was that season. We had a lot of struggles in middle school, going through high school. But when he was in high school and he started dual enrolling his senior year and riding the train down to Miami and back, and then the year after to culinary school, and then the year after he actually lived in Miami. And that's when it really started. And we knew that. We knew that that was going to be challenging because he already had a propensity for those things and Mm -hmm. rebellion and all of that. And so having to let that go and let him go. And then, you know, a year later, he moved to London. Mm -hmm. And those two years were really tough. It just was hard. I mean, he was in the culinary world. He was in all of the things that were not good. And he told me, he said, you know, Mom, you know the career I'm going into is going to be tough. And I said, yeah, but I never knew how tough. I was literally always thinking I may get a phone call that says we've found your son, you know, because it was just the things that he was connected to, the things that were so different from anything that we had raised him in. It was very difficult, and all we could do was pray. But the one cool thing is we did have a relationship And he called me once a week. You know, we were still in touch. We still talked on the phone once a week. I even went over there one summer for two weeks, and we backpacked all over the region and everything. And, you know, it was great times. And then there were times of, oh, this is really tough because I know what's happening. Mm -hmm. And for those ladies who are listening that don't know you very well, will you explain, you know, how vital was the relationship with you and Dan while you guys were going through that? Because I'm pretty sure you're sharing right now what your emotions as a mom, but how vital was, you know, that you guys as a married couple walked this together? Jisma, that honestly was a learning time for us because I'm telling you, when you walk through something like that, it really challenges both of you and challenges Mm. you in your marriage. And if one of you is more mercy-centered than the other one, which that's the case, mm-hmm. and I'll let y'all guess which one that is. But, <laughs> I guess it's your homework, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are right. It presents challenges, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll never forget the day when Wes called and said, hey, I need to come home. Mm-hmm. And I was standing at the kitchen counter, and I looked across to Dan, and I said, he wants to come home. And I'm thinking, Okay, you know what coming home means? It means this, 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 and this. And Dan looked at me, and he says, Bev, we have got to bring him home. And so we did. And But what I will tell you is that whole journey of trying to get on the same page mm-hmm. was difficult, and it was a journey for us. I think my strongest encouragement to parents is when you're not on the same page, and you're probably not with the way mm-hmm. you approach every situation— mm-hmm at least acknowledge that you need to get on the same page yeah. oh, and good. figure out a way to do it. And it was through that journey that God taught us how. Hmm. And then we were challenged with a final decision once he came home and was living in our house for several months. We were challenged with a final decision to be on the same page. Because Wes had known all his life, you know, 
they get on the same page, but it's because one or the other one tells them that, Mm -hmm. you know, what he saw when we had to have him leave our home was that we both believed that it was the right thing to do. It wasn't one of us convincing the other one, but we were both on the same page and saying he has to go. Mm -hmm. And so that was a super difficult time. Mm. Well, again, this is why we have a church family because Mm. God, I can't even look at her when I'm about to say this or I'll start crying, (laughs) but the difficult place that you were in, Mm -hmm. God used that in the difficult place I was in. Mm -hmm. I'm not even looking at her. (laughs) (laughs) And so part of relying on your church family is that you lean on people who have gone before you. Mm -hmm. And so... That was huge in my life. Dwight, you're probably going to have to cut this whole little segment, but anyway. (laughs) but It's real, right? Yeah. But one of the things that you just said was that you kept a relationship Mm -hmm. with him, both you and Dan did. And so one of the things that Jimmy and I say is that you have to stay in the game with your people. Mm -hmm. I say it all the time. Y'all are our family church people are probably like, oh, my God. (laughs) No. We got to say it all the time. Keep your kids on your team. You have to. You have to stay in the game with them. You have to keep cheering for them. You have to keep reminding them of the truth and do that in love and out of a relationship with them because you're always praying Mm -hmm. that they will come home. That's Mm -hmm. right. You're so good, Kristen. One of the things that happened after God did his work and God did do a work, just mm-hmm. so everybody knows, a year mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. things got worse before they got better, but God did do his work and brought Wes back home to us so that we could launch him out the right way, oh, which man. was so gracious. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that happened is when he first came back and was making his changes and God had done the work. My kitchen counter seems to be very pivotal. Well, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I was sitting at my kitchen counter one night and he came home and there was some circumstances, things that were going on that was kind of making me go, oh, no, we're yeah. taking a step back. Uh, and God, I didn't hear an audible voice, but it sure felt like it. Yeah. And it felt like God said, you have nothing to lose if you believe in him. Hmm. You yeah. are the only one. If you don't believe in him, no one else is going to. Do you remember Ooh. how many times you and said you that to me? And you have nothing to lose <laughs> mm-hmm. if you believe in him except your pride. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Yeah. And I clung to that, and I just believed he had changed, he had changed, he had changed, and that God had done the work. And I will just tell you today, and I never quit praying for my kids because the enemy is, he's like yeah. a roaring lion, right? Mm-hmm. Walking yeah. up and down and back and forth looking for who he can take down. But I will tell you that today he is walking with the Lord and raising his children to do the same and has been ever since that time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's super helpful and encouraging. And really, if you don't believe in them, nobody else is going to. They're your children. It's it's so encouraging listening to you to say that because we say it all the time in the podcast how the world is doing that to Mm -hmm. our kids all the time, 24-7, just being so negative on them so bombarding their lives in social media, out in their jobs, even in their own families, everyone is just speaking so much negativity that coming from us moms village that you're listening, that encouragement is so vital to their growth, their life and who they are. I love the fact that you're bringing that up because Mm. that's something that we take for granted because we think we're moms and they listen 
to us saying that all the time, that is not going to make any effect. But it does. It does. It does. And what you also realize is, so Wes was over in London, Mm. and the Holy Spirit was doing a work in him that you could not do. That is Mm -hmm. exactly But the Holy Spirit was reminding him of the things that you had taught, taught him, him yeah. through the scriptures and by your and Dan's example of what it looked like to know and love Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is bringing these truths that Bev and Dan had Planted. been implanting yeah. in him all of his life. And the Holy Spirit did for him what no one else could That's do. Mm-hmm. But he did that through a, a mom and a dad who knew the scriptures and who imparted those to his children and who were on their knees praying every day that the Holy Spirit would do a work in their son's life. Mm -hmm. And you encouraged me to do the same Mm -hmm. thing. And we have the same story. Our son Mm -hmm. is married, has children, loves Jesus, Mm -hmm. and his story's not over either. So we're praying like crazy too. But God is in the redemption business. He uses parents to remind Mm -hmm. our children of that truth. And so that's so many of the things that you did right as a parent, even in the Mm -hmm. midst of that struggle. But as you reflect on your parenting, would you change anything if you could or no? Yes, I would. There was something about probably my personality. And Wes needed me as a child growing up. Sandy did not so Mm. as much. She was super independent. But Wes needed me. And I can remember thinking, I need to try to teach him how to not need me. You know, Mm. I was trying to get him to be independent. And in that way, I didn't spend and give him all the time he needed. Mm. I didn't. And I felt like I'm not taking the ownership of his choices at Mm. all. But I'm saying when I look back, one of the things that I wish I had done is I had paid more attention to him and to Sandy both, because as a working mom, because later when they were in fourth and seventh grade is when I entered the ministry, and we may talk about that at some point, boy, that was challenging. And as a working mom, I did not really give them the time that I needed to give. I was more interested in making sure things were straight and the socks were folded and the house was clean and all the, the tasks, the things that I had to do. And I would sometimes choose that over going and doing something, you know, like, but I did do this one thing with them that both of them, you know, it's probably embarrassing to them, (laughs) but I would go and lay in their bed at night, every Mm -hmm. night, and I'd scratch their back and I would sing and they would like, oh my gosh, (laughs) Um, but I would scratch their back and half the time I'd fall asleep and start snoring. I would scratch their back and I would say to them, is there anything that you want to tell me or is there anything you want to ask me? Mm. And I love that. Night, kids just they're open, open up. Yeah. They oh, open yeah. up. And, you know, they're not looking at you. It's dark. It's whatever. That was some of the most precious times, you know, for me. You have to figure out how to make all that work. And that might not be your time or whatever. Right. I'm a night owl, so that worked for me. But if there was anything I could go back and do, I think it would be to put down the things and let some of the having to have my house straight go and actually sit down and take the time. You know, I think in the busyness of trying to juggle all of your responsibilities, you can get caught up in doing that instead of sitting and being with them as much. That, I did it. That, that's a great encouragement. I did it, but I, I'm just saying I could have done that more. At least in yeah. the season I am right now with little ones, that's such a great reminder to me because I get caught up in the mundane. Yeah. 
And I forget this, just need those five minutes to play Legos yeah. or those five minutes to play cards to play a little game. And I think it's just quick five minutes that I can be organizing something, but it's just for them, it's like an hour, you know, mm -hmm. they see time yeah. different the way we see time. You know, we see like those five minutes are crucial for me to finish my to-do list, but for them, it's just five minutes that it just, it means the world to them. Yes, we can set the moms free. Your house will never be clean. And yeah, there you, go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. So. so, Bev, you shared with us just so much. Like, my heart is like overflowing. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of all the things. And right now in our house, we're in a season of we have some young adults that, you know, the relationship is changing mm -hmm. and we're launching our oldest out to be a full independent adult. Amen. <laughs> but how could you encourage a mom to foster the relationship with the young adult and the adult children? You know, mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you've done? I mean, because you've talked about, you know, your relationship when your kids were younger mm -hmm. and just, you know, as an outsider looking at you, I look at the way that you spend time with Sandy and with Wes when he's down. So what have you done, you and Dan, to foster that relationship, even as your children are adults now? Well, surprise, surprise, communication, 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 right? <laughs> but here comes the tension. You can't over communicate, right? You can't like text them every single day and expect <laughs> mm. an answer and, you know, all that kind of thing. So, but just staying in touch with them and valuing the things they value and listening to them, they know we're here for them. And then there's some intentional things we do because life does get busy. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we do, and we learned this, honestly, Kristen, from you and Jimmy, as far as you all talking about time investments with your children are better than gifts sometimes and material gifts. And so we started years ago when we first heard that. We started actually doing a vacation with our entire family mm -hmm. and planning it. Now, here's the kicker. If you rent the place and get the week, they'll show up. But if you start saying to everybody, hey, what week would y'all like to go on vacation? It will never work. So when you pay for it <laughs> okay. and you pick the week, they'll all show I'm up. taking notes, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, no, it's really funny. We, you know, we all make our schedules work. And we're leaving on October 15th to go to the mountains. So I'm super excited about oh, that. Awesome. And next year going out west. So those are things that, man, I love that time when everybody's in the same house mm -hmm. and we're just day to day. Because it... Everything else is put aside, you mm -hmm. know, and you're just spending time together. We also are pretty intentional about our Christmas and Thanksgiving gatherings, and we try to talk enough ahead to figure out. Now you've got other sets of families in the yeah. picture, mm -hmm. so you do have to juggle a few things and figure all that out. And But we're pretty intentional about trying to plan, like I was already asking, like two weeks ago. You know, what do you think y'all are doing? What mm -hmm. is it going to look like? And just trying to navigate that and figure it out so that we have a, at least some time with them during that time. And then, again, you know, Dan and I go to Jacksonville a lot. We just went three weeks ago or four weeks ago. And, I'm, and I'm you're on the road again. again. And I'm going again <laughs> this afternoon. So we try to do that. And, you know, we're in and out of Sandy's kids. We were at a volleyball game Monday night. So just trying to be in it with them. But at the same time, and it's hard because at the same time you – pull back because you know you're not the same as it's not like your family you know what I mean it's not my kids it's my grandkids right. so I have to kind of pull back a little bit but yeah it seems to me but what you're saying is like you're being very intentional mm -hmm. yeah. with when you spend time with them and it's like active 
participating, like intentional about our time together. So it changes because for us young moms, like we have, and you were talking about this today, Kristen, at the Mom Village gathering live. But for us young moms, we actually want to pull out and have our quiet time because we don't have enough time and they come in in the bathrooms and everything and we're hiding. And now you're trying to grasp that time and pull in and be more intentional about it yet having that, you know, respect Mm -hmm. with all their families because everyone wants to, you know, grab their time. But whatever time you get, you're being very intentional about it. Well, I have the last question that we're going to have to boot to part two, but I want to go back in part two. So keep listening to talk about your grandparenting a little more. But one of the things I want to say Mm -hmm. as we wrap this up is one of the things that Bev and Dan have done so beautifully, so many things, but you were talking about that intentional time with your older children. Mm -hmm. They have created a situation where their kids and their grandkids want to be there. Mm-hmm. So it's not out of obligation or guilt mm-hmm. that your children and grandchildren show up. They're like, we can't wait to get yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And so part of that is because you're encouraging and kind. And let's be honest, because you pay for stuff. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah, let's be so start saving your pay. We're not beyond bribery, are we, Ben? <laughs> no. But we love you. We appreciate mm-hmm. the godly example you are to our church family and now to our mom village. And so for now, we're going to wrap up part one, but there's more. So, Jisma? No, let's just say goodbye together. Ready, Beth? One, yeah. two, three. Bye. bye.